What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Northern Nerdcast. I'm Brad. I actually have two guests today because I have my Resident Evil uh, aficionado, Nathan, from Inside the Game. (laughs) And uh, joining both of us is uh, the Duke himself, Aaron LaPlante. Thank you so much for coming on the show. How's it going, everybody? I've been waiting for you viewers. Anyone who's anyone has heard of the likes of you. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) That's it. You've, like... I, like Nathan's like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie I've we we had Katie on the show a couple of weeks ago and I told her I said the last uh, the last Resident Evil I played was six I could not get into seven I'm not like a huge fan of like that the jump scares <laughs> but Nate, Nate's actually got me wanting to play eight uh, from from what I've heard it's like a first person Resident Evil four almost uh so t- to me that really stands out so but your your character um, is one of probably the highlights to, for for me, anyways. Just you you just exude this like positive, almost Cheshire cat kind of like attitude, and it's it's like it's like Nathan was saying off off the recording, like you feel safe, like w- when you're in the room in, in like just appearing in the mansion or where, wherever you wherever you are. But there's just like this calmness and. I, like I don't know if it's the voice or if it's the 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 false sense that oh is he actually going to murder me or <laughs> but well, I think, I think yes. like a huge a huge part for me was when I was running around the castle for my life. There's a part where Lady Dimitres I, I don't know how to pr- pronounce her name, but her and her daughters are trying to kill you, <clears throat> and the entire time I'm trying to solve these puzzles, and I would just always run back to my famous duke and then i would hear his nice low voice and it'd be like oh what are you buying and it'd just be like oh are you buying <laughs> yeah no I, that definitely i think you guys are definitely not alone on that and i think the thing about the duke at least for me when i first started doing it because one of the things is when you do these uh, video games they're so secretive so they don't tell you very much which there's a really famous text about the craft of acting called an actor prepares And it's called that for a reason. As far as I'm concerned, that's all an actor does is find, you know, sort of like a predetermined set of circumstances, familiarize yourself enough with them, and then do them as if they weren't predetermined. But the problem is with games is that like you're going to go into the recording session and you want to prepare and you want to, I don't really do all that backstory bullshit, but, but some people do. And um, so you want to sort of think about it or sort of prepare a choice. But when you go in there, you have no idea what's going on. And the reason I'm going on and on about not knowing what's going on is because even while I was recording it, I was having these suspicions like, when does he turn bad? When is he going to try to come <laughs> Because I'm familiar enough with Resident Evil to know that like everything, like I said before, everything you come across is trying to kill you. Yeah. So I didn't know and they wouldn't tell me. And so as we sort of kept going, I thought, well, they wanted me to be as friendly as possible. They kept saying that, like, make sure it's friendly. In fact, every take of every line, we would go back and forth. We would do a take that was purely friendly and supportive. And then we would do another take that was kind of mysterious. And after a while, I started coming up with this musicality of the voice to where he would go up and down odd parts of the sentence. And the reason why is so I wanted to sort of like, if anything, wanted to kind of disorient the Ethan character so he doesn't know what's going on. So 
Anyone who's anyone has heard of the likes of you. A hero searching for his daughter. You know what I mean? Like up and down. And, down. and so, uh, so yeah, it's funny. Like, but I didn't realize like how, just how much support he would be. I thought it would just be kind of like a little bit of a respite, but then they tried to kind of explain it to me a little bit, but I was actually completely unprepared with how the fans have, have taken to the Duke for sure. So uh, now, I don't know if if you can touch base on this or if if the like if what people are saying are true, but I had heard that at one point the Duke was supposed to be the fifth lord. I don't know if well, there's yeah. any truth to that. Yeah, you know, I don't, I can't confirm that specifically, but I can tell you that throughout uh, the process of like auditioning for it and and stuff, you know, when I first auditioned for it, well, when I first auditioned for it. They gave me this dummy script because that's another thing in games that when the, the scripts that they give you to audition with are not going to end up anywhere near the actual game. They're kind of like they sort of like suggest a character, but that's about it because they don't for anybody that doesn't get the part. They don't want them going and blabbing about what's going on in the game. So and the people that don't have to sign an NDA. So I did my first audition. And then when I went back for the second one, that's when they showed me a picture of the Duke. And at the time, he was still just as big, but he had, he was bald and he had kind of like huh. a creepier looking face and kind of like a, it almost looked like he was kind of had some like sores on his face and stuff. And so uh, I, I, so I kind of thought that too, but then as I got into it, when I saw the design again, he looks, has that kind of cherub like face and nice haircut and everything. And I think with the sigil and everything, I think that maybe at one time they did plan him to be to become bad but there's nothing it's funny all these fan theories or whatever that's another thing i was unprepared for <laughs> the fans are so much more oh, yeah. any of this shit i mean like they they um what can i swear on this by the way Abs absolutely no worries <laughs> i don't want you to i don't want to be like Fuck, we gotta be okay well let, let, let me just let me just tell you okay so before you came on we like me two of my friends that normally do the show with me um they both have never played resident evil village so they didn't want to be in on it for spoilers but we just had a chat with uh john st john duke nukem oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. so you can like i don't think any <laughs> level of swearing will compare to what we we just recorded so don't worry about it <laughs> good yeah i'm actually doing a convention with john in uh uh october and the late october like around halloween we're doing the not con halloween uh uh, Hall uh Hall so you're you're so you're the special guest that he said he couldn't talk about so you <laughs> well, that's funny I, if he couldn't talk about it <laughs> They constantly post about it on Twitter. And oh, they okay. Constantly, uh, constantly asking me to to say that I'm going to go there. So keeping something a secret, I don't know what. It's there you, no worries, no worries. But yeah, so just say say what you can do it. Like I, I I don't get monetized for this, so like I don't think I can get penalized. So do it. You say whatever you want to say. Nice, nice. So I mean, okay, you probably get asked this, you know, often. But when did you realize, or like what? made you realize that you wanted to be a voice actor like were you doing this like in high school are you doing like acting and you know getting into theater like what's kind of your background i guess with all yeah i mean i think that you know uh i mean acting it's just kind of one of those things that not too uh, kind of a boring story just like you're a kid and you're you're kind of obnoxious or you're hungry for attention and then your parents kind of 
steer you towards something. Maybe you can get that energy out. And in school, there were opportunities to do theater and stuff like that. And so I, I did those and you go on stage and you, you get your first laugh and then suddenly you get what they call the acting bug, so to speak. So that's the acting thing. Pretty traditional, nothing too special. But I think when it comes to voiceover, it, I, I believe that it starts off with a um, with an instinct. And that instinct is when you hear somebody with a unique sounding voice, you want to replicate it. And sometimes it could be because you're making fun of them, like one of your teachers or something. Like if I'm <laughs> in class and, hey, my science teacher used to talk like this really slow. <laughs> So then when you go into the lunchroom and go like, hey, John, you're going to finish that piece of pizza, hand it over. And then they laugh and you're doing it for the benefit of your friends, for the enjoyment of your friends. But then after a while, once you realize that that works, you start doing that in their life. I mean, almost everybody you'll ever talk to when they tell you a story, they do a voice. So they say, yeah, I was at the grocery store and this bitch behind me was like, um, excuse me. And, and they'll do the voice. doesn't matter if they're a voiceover actor, even an actor at all. And so I think when I was a kid, it came because I wasn't one of those kids that watched cartoons and dreamt of one day doing that. I didn't think for a second that I would ever get to do work like this. I knew that people do it for a living, but I didn't know at all how one gets to be a voice actor. So I think sometimes every actor makes certain choices with their characters. Some actors are really concerned with their wardrobe. They want to make sure that they some actors are concerned with their props. Some actors are concerned with their hair. So there's always like a little extra thing in addition to the character. And I think I just so happen to be um, interested in the voice of the character. So that was when I was a kid. And then as I sort of got older, and I was doing plays and stuff. And I would just kind of do whatever character I was doing at the time. But then I started to get into sketch comedy. And when you do a sketch comedy show, we, we started a group and we had a group in Hollywood for years. When you, when you do a, a, a sketch comedy show, it's usually about a half hour long and there'll be about five or six sketches in that half hour. And you have to change costumes and stuff. But for me, one of, the, one of the best ways to differentiate between the characters is to give them a distinct sounding voice. So you do like five or six different voices. And I think that's what made others around me aware that I can do that stuff. Cause I'm not one of those like genius voice actors, you know, like a uh, Frank Welker, D Bradley Baker, people who can do like the crazy bird sounds and that kind of mm -hmm. shit. I mean, I can't do, or like Tom Kenny. I mean, he's just insane. I'm just a really good actor that can do some voices sometimes. <laughs> you know I mean? uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll poo poo my voice ability, but I'll, I'll uh, pat myself on the back for my acting ability. <laughs> But that's kind of how it all sort of came to pass, I think. I mean, I had been doing it ever since I was a little kid, just not professionally, just to annoy the shit out of my parents and have my teachers get pissed off at me. So I have, uh, so one of my, one of my show horts um, just actually sent me a message. Um, he wanted to know uh, what it's like to work with uh, Gendy, Tatarkovsky on projects like Hotel Transylvania, Samurai Jack, and Primal, which uh, you were the lead spear. So he was wondering what it was like. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm, thank you so much for asking me about Gende. I always try to mention him in almost every one of these things, even if somebody doesn't ask me about him, just because he is, you know, for anybody in any business, whether it be acting or anything, really, anything you're trying to do, you always need somebody to sort of uh, help you along or at least believe in you and and when I first started doing voiceover because I came to town and I was doing the um the the uh sketch comedy stuff and then a buddy of mine was happened to be 
and uh, talking to a casting director, an animation casting director, and she was talking about, you know, it's hard to, to sometimes to, you know, because she worked in movies and they can only they only work with famous people. I mean, generally famous people are the only ones that get to be voices in movies nowadays, especially. And some of them are great actors, but they're shitty voice actors. So she was complaining about that and saying, you know, we just need some good, solid talent. And he said, well, I, my friend Aaron has a distinct sounding um, speaking voice, but he also does voices every now and again. You should meet him. So I went in and I had one of those meetings that we like to call water bottle meetings where you go in, you don't know what the meeting's about. You don't even know why you're meeting, but they give you a water <laughs> bottle. You get to leave with a water bottle. So that's cool. After a while, my car was just full of water bottles. But um, so I did this meeting and we sat down and what was nice was it was probably supposed to be like a 20 minute meeting and it wound up being like a three hour odyssey. We talked about everything under the sun and she said, well, look, you know, I, you, you seem really interested and sincere and you seem like you have a pretty good head on your shoulders. I don't have anything for you now, but, you know, who knows down the line. So then it was a few months later and she messaged me and said that they're working on a Popeye movie at Sony. They're going to be doing a feature length uh, CGI redesign on Popeye, kind of like an origin story. And they needed somebody to do the temporary voice of Bluto. So I looked up, I, so I went on YouTube and I looked up all the old cartoons and Bluto kind of talks out of the side of his mouth like this. And he's got kind of a rasp like this. It's a little <laughs> bit deeper. And so I recorded myself doing some of the lines and I sent him in and she said, they're perfect. Now, what this is, it's called scratch tracks. That's what I first started doing. What it is, is, you know, these animated movies take years to make and they're years and years in pre-production. And so a lot of times they'll get actors like me to come in and do the voice of a part in its entirety. And the directors will work with it and they use animatics on a screen, which are basically just like comic book panels that are sort of like temp animation. And then they have my voice and that's what they use for the presentation, the executives, or just to kind of help move the story along or to flesh out the character. Cause they'll, they almost like test it out on me to see how an actor responds to the material and what an actor brings to it. And then once I've done that work, they throw my voice out and they give it to a famous person, which kind of sucks. But at the same time, what the hell I'm getting paid and it's really neat to be working now. However, if I don't get a chance to end up in the actual movie, I'm working with the director when they're at their most vulnerable, when they're trying to sort of figure out what they're going to do with these characters. So the guy that was directing Popeye was Gany Tartakovsky. Now, the thing is, like I said before, I watched a lot of cartoons when I was a kid, but I didn't have an encyclopedic knowledge of who created them. And so I had watched Samurai Jack and Dexter's Lab and Powerpuff Girls and the Clone Wars and all these things that he was involved with and responsible for creating, but I didn't know he was. So when I went in there, I was just like, hi, hi, how are you? You know, whatever. <laughs> And uh, Gandhi, what's interesting about Gandhi now, now here's the thing, you'll, you'll, you can see why now that meeting with the casting director was three hours, because when I answer a question, I give you a whole <laughs> answer. Now here's the answer. That's amazing. Working with Gandhi Tartakovsky. Uh, what's interesting about him is he's this ridiculous, mad genius, endlessly creative, endlessly, I mean, just hilarious and amazing and talented, but very just middle of the road not all crazy, not like his crazy shit comes out in his work. He's just a completely mild-mannered guy. In fact, somebody like me who has a lot of anxiety, you know, whenever I would work with them, I would feel, and to this day sometimes, I feel like um, when I leave the session, I just went on a date with a girl that's really out of my league. So I'm just like, <laughs> I had fun. I think she had fun. Like <laughs> call her or I, you know, I don't know. Because at the end of the sessions, he would just be like, 
<laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> okay. And so the thing is, you know, people always, I always resent it when people say like, you know, Hey, are you doing your buddy's show? You know, your buddy's next show. And I'm like, he's not my buddy. He's my boss. You know what I mean? I want people to think that he's like my buddy and he just gives me parts because we're friends. Luckily I kind of proved myself on Popeye. So I've been in everything that he's done, everything that he's done since, um, since that Popeye project, because the Popeye project never went anywhere. I worked on it for years and sort of helped out with it, but then hotel, it was, it's been very incremental because hotel Transylvania two came along and uh, he was working on that while we were doing Popeye. And so I'd hear about it. And then what ended up happening is he let me be um, kind of to throw me a bone because I think he felt bad about the Popeye thing. It didn't, it, you know, it didn't really go anywhere. And so he let me be uh, in part two, Hotel Transylvania. It's the, the wedding scene. So I did a bunch of monster noises basically in the background. <laughs> and then we and then after that, he rebooted Samurai Jack and um, he I played about six or seven different characters in that fifth season of Samurai Jacks. So and we did that. And then when Hotel Transylvania 3 came along, they had this section with the gremlins, which is just an amazing, hilarious sequence, kind of towards the beginning and relatively short. And he's like, well, you can do that. So I went in there and did that. And then now we're that's hilarious. And then Primal <laughs> is the craziest thing ever. Primal, if you haven't seen it, climb out from under your rock and watch it. It's absolutely incredible. You know, it's kind of violent. You know, a lot of a lot of people that I meet say, "Oh, th this is Aaron, and he does voiceover and like for their kids or something." And I'm like, I don't think your kid can watch a lot of the stuff that I do voiceover for, because <laughs> uh, Primal's really um, crazy, crazy, crazy violent. But I didn't audition for that or anything. Gendy uh, originally, and I think he'll be comfortable with me sharing this because the info is kind of already out there. He always wanted to do a show about a kid and a dinosaur. And so some of the early designs, it's a little kid and it's pet dinosaur basically going through the landscape. But what ended up happening, there's a lot of contributing factors. I should think one of them is that movie, The Good Dinosaur came out. And that kind of came out around the time that he was working on Hotel Transylvania and stuff like that. And then also Samurai Jack, he had the fifth season of Samurai Jack was super violent. And so I think that he liked being able to sort of work with that kind of design. And then also, if you notice, there's a lot of sequences in Samurai Jack where there's no dialogue whatsoever. And I think he really, really likes that because a lot of people say like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. There's no dialogue in the show. I've never seen a show like that. And I'm like, yes, you have. Every cartoon didn't have dialogue like the earlier ones. So this is just kind of like a throwback to that. Also, they're not doing hand-drawn animation on paper, but they're doing hand-drawn animation with styluses on screen and they do it at Studio Lacachette in France. So that one is basically, you know what that is? That is a ridiculously beautiful and amazing piece of art that I just get to walk in and go, and then say I'm part of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, <laughs> that'd be like if uh, the Rolling Stones had a concert and they let me come on stage and just play the triangle with them. And then I got to say that I was in uh, the Rolling <laughs> So, but so yeah, I don't know. That's a really long answer to a very simple that's question. Perfect. I hope that, that answer. Well, absolutely. That's really cool. And we're still doing that, by the way. There's more primal to come. We're still working on it. There's going to be 10 more episodes. Go a whole nother is that on? Is that on Netflix or which? Uh... No, it's actually, it's on Adult Swim, okay. but they've got the whole all 10 episodes of the first season are on the um the adult swim hub on hbo max so if you go on hbo max and search down and go to the adult swim hub you can see all the episodes there 
Yeah. So wow. we, we don't, we're not fortunate enough here to in Canada have that we have Crave, So it's essentially oh. the same thing. So there is the HBO max that's part of it, but it's not its own streaming device. Okay. So. Well, maybe you can also too, if you just go on adultswim.com, all their content is there. So you can just go on there and you'll be able to find primal on there. So oh, really cool. if, if you had the ability to voice any of the other roles in village, whose would it be and why? I mean, that's a hard question. Shit. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I think that what would be, what would have been um, fun. And I'm, I'm not going to say that there's, there's no way on earth that I would be able to do this better than Jesse did it. But um, Moreau was such a neat character because that was such a neat voice. And also there was the motion capture element. Jesse was basically like hunched over the entire time. And he is absolutely incredible, Jesse, um, who did the voice of Moreau. But I think that that would have been just really fun to do, I think, um, because you'd be able to come up with kind of a crazy voice and um, the physicality of it all, because that I'll, I'll, I'll say this is just kind of a blanket statement my character didn't do any um, motion capture. So okay. I think, so, so I, that if, if anything, that's a better answer, I think, to the question is maybe not a, playing a different character, but getting a chance to actually do that motion capture. Because I have done games where they put like a helmet on you and they put dots on your face. And then as you're recording it, they calibrate it to where the character, basically as you're talking, the character will actually move its mouth based on your mouth movements. I did something like that, but to be like in the full suit and in the environment with the other actors, um, sort of interacting with them, that would have been cool. Cause I basically was just by myself for all my lines. Oh, that's really cool. So you're gonna have to forgive me. I did some research on you, but I can't fully credit Wikipedia. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm according on to Wikipedia though, Okay. You were Leon in Resident Evil 4 and the shopkeeper. That is what Wikipedia says. No, that's not true at all. What <laughs> yeah. the heck, man? I, I was reading that and I'm like, this can't be right. So, I mean, okay. Yeah. I think when Resident Forget Evil me. 4 came out, I was probably eating Thai food and crying myself to sleep. I mean, like I, I, <laughs> I, I probably, I, when that game came out, I don't even think I was a, an actor at that time. I was just a, a guy trying to <laughs> trying to get through life um, <laughs> that's funny that you and it's funny that you even say wikipedia because i i've never looked myself up on wikipedia i thought that i didn't have um a wikipedia and there are there have been a lot of um people in comments saying like man i loved your performance as the merchant in resident evil 4 and this character and i'm like no no <laughs> somebody <laughs> resident evil 4 but again that's the thing is i think that now with like Twitch and with everything else, the fandom for this stuff is just blowing up. And so there's so much more information now than back then. I should think like when you, when you did a game back then, you just kind of did it and it was a cool thing you did, but it wasn't really on a world stage like it is now. Yeah. I also forgot to say uh, two congratulations. Congratulations on being part of like quite possibly the biggest horror franchise around for video games. And the second one is... Uh, you're hosting with Maggie um, video game awards. That's you know, it's the future game show and it's, it's going to be done for gamescom and uh, they're going to, it's, I think, uh, God, what a jerk. I don't even know when it's going to be on um, it's today. <laughs> it's today. Yeah. It's going to, yeah, that, that would be crazy. <laughs> well, I, I'm looking at my Instagram here. I think one of the last posts that I, 
It's going to be August 26th. So yeah, if you, if a future game show at Gamescom and yeah, that's going to be really cool. I mean, again, that's the thing is I feel like it's a no brainer to have Maggie do it because everybody was so stoked about her character. But then I think they threw me a bone and tacked me on with her, but she's awesome. And so we're, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be cool. And there's also, um, I got to see a little bit of like the games that are coming out and it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to be able to sort of have that show where you can kind of see what's coming. Um, so the, you know, so yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's all. Yeah. Well, I so think- Nate, Nate, uh, the, like, so he's part of a, a TV show that covers everything in the video. Uh, you know what, Nate, you go ahead, you explain it. Cause you're, it's your, <laughs> it's your baby. Well, you're part of it. So. Yeah, well, I, me and a few of my buddies, we do a weekly TV show. It's, we review games, do discussions and news and <clears throat> also do like a daily show that the whole wide variety of content involving video games, but I actually reviewed Resident Evil 8 and like, it's, it's honestly like my favorite games. It's my favorite game this year so far, hands down for sure. And then like between that one and four, it's, it's a toss up if it's my favorite Resident Evil game. And I think you got to give yourself a little credit, man. Your character, honestly, he's like, he's one of my favorite characters in the game, dude. He's awesome. He, like I said, he's like your safe house, first of all. And you know, like you often are the one who's kind of guiding you along your sort of quest, we'll call it, you know, you get to a point where it's like, well, you've got to go to the underground or you've got to go to, you know, to the creepy baby part which i won't spoil anything about i don't know if you ever if you looked up that stuff man but that was the craziest thing i have ever seen in a video game to date man but it's interesting too because yeah there's i think what's neat about this game um because i had played when i was a kid i played the original the first two and uh and then i didn't really i I could for years i couldn't even afford uh, a system of any kind so i didn't play anything until in recent years i was able to get one and i'm kind of going back and playing some of the older ones but what's neat about it is resident evil village is that like there's aspects of it and this kind of speaks to brad you were talking about sort of being apprehensive of playing resident evil 7 was so terrifying and it is so terrifying i mean i I love scary shit and it really freaked me out but this one what's nice about it is there are moments that are really unnerving and really scary for sure but also i think that they just went crazy with the variety variety of locations variety of different opponents not just the lords but also just the lichens and the harpies flying around and stuff yeah. also a variety of weapons and a variety of different ways that you can play the game it's, i would say it was open world i guess i mean that if 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 that's Kinda, the yeah. it's not technically but like you know it gives you the sort of sort of the choice and then also too what's neat about it is that uh you can, it could be like a different experience every time you play it because you guys are going to get a kick out of this. I played it. I've played, I'm halfway through the second time of playing it because I wanted to do all the things I forgot to do in the first one, because in the first one, that's, what's interesting about the franchise. And it kind of always has been like this. If you forget something, the game will just kind of let you forget it until you get really far down. And then you have to go back and do whatever. So you really have to pay attention. And when I was in Castle Dimitrescu, I never saw the Duke once. I never went in that room or whatever. I just, for some reason, I have no idea why. And after I got out and actually like <laughs> and her daughters or whatever, and I was walking out, I was kind of bummed out and got a little nervous because that's the first Lord that you have to deal with. And I thought, oh man, did they cut my character down? Because 
when I was recording the thing, they showed me stills and they showed me the Duke in that room with the garlic hanging and everything mm -hmm. and the candelabras and everything like that. So I was really on the lookout for that. And I, <laughs> I told <laughs> just funny. That is really funny. So you, you had, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this up because you had mentioned that, um, or I had mentioned to you that my friend, uh, does zombie pictures and you yeah. said you wanted to see a, a smiling zombie, uh, Duke. So I don't know how well it's going to turn out on my phone. I'm getting the original copy shortly, but. Oh, that's great. So perfect. Perfect. Um, so but, cool. Uh, I love awesome. If I if we're it. able to get my friend Rob a shout out, he he does um like this is this is what he does for a living is he creates like he did pictures for The Walking Dead and like he's hasn't been involved. But if if the Duke could actually give Rob a shout out, I'm sure he'd love that. <laughs> oh well, I've been waiting for you, Rob. Anyone who's anyone has heard of the likes of you. An amazing artist doing zombie pictures of various pop culture icons. <laughs> like myself. Well, welcome to the Duke's Emporium. What are you buying? <laughs> Just something an old friend of mine used to say. Well, Rob, should you need anything for the road ahead, you know where to find me. Thank you for your patronage. Oh, that was awesome. That's awesome. Thank oh, that you so awesome. much. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I, it's, I've been doing a lot of cameos, so that's why it's, that's why I'm kind of, I'm kind of used to snapping right into those shout-outs. So, I guess, sorry, go ahead. No, Brad. go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead, man. Go. Well, I was just kind of going to cut into, like, when you're auditioning or, you know, even, you know, when you, once you have the role, is there, what kind of prep work do you have to do? Is there a lot of, like, kind of just talking to yourself, hyping yourself up, really setting oh. yourself in characters. Or just like he said, kind of yeah. a switch that you can just flip and get yourself inside the character. I think that, you know, it's interesting because I normally that normally, yes, normally there's a little bit of every, like I said before, every actor is different. Acting is ethereal. It's like a vapor. It's not concrete. It seems like any human being putting their mind towards it just kind of does it differently. And I think I like to be as prepared as possible for me, though, it's basically just seeing the lines on the page so I don't stumble over them while I'm trying to record. That is actually the most important thing. I and mean, I know that sounds weird, but it's because I have this kind of it's almost like a dyslexia thing where when I read something, I cannot retain it. I have to read it multiple times, like cold reading something is almost impossible for me. So that's why when they don't want to share the lines with you and they don't want to show you the scripts. It's within their right, of course, because they're trying to protect their property. But I'm sitting here going like, <laughs> is there a little anxiety? Do you see? <laughs> and so I think, but here's the thing: um, it, every part's different. There's a hell of a lot of prep for Primal, because Primal, the character, there's no every emotion has to just be grunting and growling and like really hardcore screaming. And so like you talked where you asked me about snapping into it and then snapping back out of it when it comes to primal that's it because you'll be i'll be sitting in there when they do primal it's already fully animated when i go in there so when i go in there i actually watch the character do whatever the character's doing at one particular point follow when he opens his mouth and when he's breathing and when he's screaming and try to follow it and try to do it line by line and so with that one it's always you're sitting in this room it's an air-conditioned room there's a uh, an engineer there, Gendy's sitting right there usually, or at least before the pandemic, he was sitting right there. And he would just go, let's go. And I would just kind of watch it and then just be like, Aah! 
Is that okay? And it just, you know what I mean? It just did <laughs> back and forth. And so there's so much, uh, you know, what I do usually is I, I, the studio is about an hour away from my apartment. So when I'm driving there, I sing old nineties rap songs, but in an operatic voice. <laughs> so I go, just hit the east side of the LBC on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. <laughs> I just do that. <laughs> and it really, those, I've got uh, this special <laughs> cough syrup. It's, it's, it's all holistic. It's from, I get it in Chinatown. Actually, it's got like marshmallow root. And actually, Fred Tatashore, the guy that plays the Incredible Hulk and has for years, and he does a shitload of video games. Uh, he's the one that inter- that turned me on to that stuff. Actually, when we were doing Hotel Transylvania 2, because he did a bunch of the monster sounds <laughs> as well. We were there together. So that's kind of the prep for that. And when it comes to the Duke, what's interesting about the Duke is that a lot of times the choice of what voice you're going to do comes, you can make a choice before and then bring it into the room, but you have to be able to switch it real quick if the director doesn't like it. The way Gendy and I work is, uh, I well, like when I did Samurai Jack, I was lucky enough to not have to audition for any of those parts. There would be an episode that would come up and he would have his favorites. And then there'd be a a part over here, like some great parts, like some of them really small, some of them actually really amazing. And he would just say, okay, Aaron, Aaron, you'll play that part. So like, let's say that there's a, there's a, like a guard, a guard in the in one of the last episodes of Samurai Jack, there's a bunch of these orcs and the main one starts talking and we didn't know, but I saw a picture of him and he has this big smile on his face. So then I put the big smile on my face. And when you're talking, suddenly there's something that happens with your lip. Well, that's that. That's one layer. Then because he's an orc, I figured he could talk like this. Okay, so then that's another layer. So then Gandhi says, why don't you give him kind of like a raspiness? So then it becomes something like this. And then he says, okay, uh, give it a British accent. So then it becomes something like this. Uh, What's going on there? Hello, what are you doing up there? So every voice is like three or four different layers on top of it in the moment <laughs> For resident evil. Here's a, this is kind of funny. And I've said this in other interviews, but I love talking about this aspect of it is that um, when I audition for the part, um, this doesn't spoil anything, but towards the beginning, there's a scene where you go into this like woodshed and there's this frightened old man and he's got a, a like a, a gun and one of the lichens pulls him through the roof. It's like in the beginning of the game. Originally, I auditioned for that part just to be like a really small part. And I did the audition. And after I was over, one of the people involved with production called me and was like, sorry, you didn't get the part, which is interesting. It doesn't bother me. I don't get the part all the time. I auditioned for five or six things a week and, and, and usually don't book anything. It's just because that's the nature of the beast. But nobody's ever they say how do you deal with all the rejection i'm like nobody ever rejects me they just don't call me (laughs) you know but so this time the person called and said you didn't get the part and i was like shit all right thank you and they said (laughs) you didn't get the part because they're saving you for a bigger part and i was like well that is something i've never heard and i probably will never hear again so i was like all right and i waited a little bit and finally i got the thing and when and and their instructions were they're playing around with accents because if you notice in the village, nobody really has, there's little accents here and there, but they didn't want any accents to be specifically distinct. But I think in early iterations, they were playing around with having it sound maybe like an Eastern European accent. So then I said, okay, now 
gravelly tones i love playing gravelly tones usually when i do a game or a, any any kind of work i try so hard to get as far away from my own voice as humanly possible and a lot of times they have to kind of rein me back so with this one the character sounded like this i've been waiting for you mr winters anyone who's anyone has heard of the likes of you that was originally when i auditioned that's what the character sounded like and they loved it and they loved it. And they, I was there for like 20 minutes and they had me moving around and doing all the things, getting cigar ash, kind of wiping it off and just kind of like, like <laughs> doing all those motions. And um, it's funny what ended up, that ended up being my motion capture session. They basically took my audition and then got a lot of inspiration from it for the Duke. Uh, not specifically, I mean, I'm not gonna speak for them at all, but that's what one of the producers told me. So anyway, I go into the first day of a recording and I'm already, I, you know, I got all my, I was doing my singing cause I didn't want to hurt my voice. I got my little special concoction and I go in there and I do the first line. I've been waiting for you, Mr. Winters. Oh, uh, Aaron, sorry. No, no, no. You don't have to do the, uh, you don't have to do the, the, the Eastern European accent. Oh, all right. All right. Let me try it again. I've been waiting for you, Mr. Winters. You know, it's not really that, it's not really that growly. We want him to be like super friendly and really welcoming. So maybe just, maybe more light and do, do it like um, a British accent without actually having a British accent, just very like proper. And I was like, I've been waiting for you, Mr. Winters. Anyone who's anyone has heard of the likes of you. And they said, perfect, that's perfect. That's the character. So that's how the voice came to be. Wow. <laughs> so it's like a long, you know what I mean? It's a long thing. It's like actors, basically all actors do is just try shit out. And then the director says yes or no, you know? And so a lot of times when people say like, how did you create the character? I did not create the character. They created the character and I'm just helping them, helping the character come to life, you know? Because that's what's so great about animation and also video games. Is every character is created by like a whole village pardon the pun, full of people. Um, all the animators, all the people, everybody, even the designers, the designers that design his clothes, his motions, and then how they tell me to do his voice and the writers and everything. It's it's all by committee. It's pretty cool. Like, uh, like I follow a bunch of you guys on Instagram and like, I, um, did you record with, like, I know you said you did a lot of like the recording on your own, but did you actually get to meet the cast or was was this mostly recorded during COVID or were you guys in the studio before that or? No. Yeah, there was, what it was, was uh, I had gotten the part and, and then we did a table read and that's what I got to see all the people, but we, it was just a brief, we showed up. They didn't even have my character really fleshed out. They were basically just reading some of the scenes. I mean, they were still writing. So when I got there, they didn't have anything for me to read. And um, Neil was in, England so he wasn't even there so I actually read Heisenberg's part or what I came to find out later was Heisenberg's part at the table read and then we all kind of briefly and awkwardly met each other there and then they said okay well you know you guys will all be doing some work together whatever we leave and at the time I was going to be doing some motion capture but then over the course of time they realized they don't really need me to do as much motion capture so all the other characters they all kind of work together and I actually would run into Katie I ran into Katie a lot um, I ran into my dear friend, Jeanette, uh, a lot, kind of going back and forth. Um, but I didn't get a chance to work with anybody. So then after the game came out, they had did, we did that little reunion thing. 
where we all met up at Paula Rhodes's place. And that was when I got to sort of meet everybody officially for the first time. And so with Maggie, Maggie and I went out for drinks the other night just so that I could like meet her because we're going to be doing this hosting <laughs> yeah. thing together. Um, so they're all awesome. But yeah, I mean, I, that's, I think I missed out a little bit on the camaraderie just because I wasn't um, in the mocap set because mocap is a really weird process and, you know, it can be kind of stressful. And so it really makes you a family, I think, you know, when you're doing it, if you're doing it for long enough. That's awesome. Yeah, man. You got something better you want me to ask now? <laughs> go, go for your question. I'm, I'm trying to process as uh, we're talking. So. I know that it's a lot. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> so again, I'm a, I'm a huge Elder Scrolls and Fallout fan. Like one for those, you know, big open world RPGs where you got like, you know, some really just big characters or iconic characters, you know, actors like Liam Neeson and Morgan Freeman, they've guys like that have acted in these games. Now, have you like ever pursued any of those kinds of games? Like something where you're more of like, uh, you know, like just any of those RPG style games? I think personally, yeah. you have the voice that would be perfect for any of those franchises. I mean, I would, well, that's the thing is it's not really a matter of me trying to, it's just basically what a matter of what I'm lucky enough to audition for really. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd give anything to do one of those games. Um, uh, it just seems like it's funny. Like sometimes you're kind of at the, you're just kind of at the mercy to what your agent finds out about, <laughs> you know what I mean? I should think that doing Resident Evil Village and, and developing a relationship with the production company, well, Capcom, but also the American production company that helped out. I think that that's going to lead to more work. But a lot of times, you know, it's, it's really difficult because it's already hard enough to get involved with this stuff. It's even harder now because what it used to be or the way people used to go about it is they would have these studios around where if you got an audition, you'd go into the studio and you give your audition or whatever. And that was it. And so they'd be only audition because they relied on actors actually coming in and sending their and sending out their audition tape from a studio. You know, you'd probably audition maybe like 30 people for a part. But now with technology being what it is and also the pandemic making everybody go inside and any voice actor worth their salt has to have a good microphone, has to have a closet to record in or whatever. Now we can send out these auditions on our own computers. So they can send out, they can audition 2000 people if they want. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the thing about it is unfortunately, and you know, it's not, I mean, I'm not complaining. Shit, I've been doing this for a long time and it's just a very incremental thing. When somebody sees my name, it doesn't mean anything to them. You know, like when the, when a, when an MP3 comes in and it says, you know, Orc King Aaron Laplante, nobody really cares. But a little by little, they start to recognize you. And if you start to audition for some of these people enough, they start to become used to your voice. But um, I mean, I would give anything to do one of those games. My God, I mean, it would be because my buddy uh, Ben Davis is the voice of Dutch Vanderland. And so to hear all his stories about what it was like in the years spent, I mean, obviously he never once talked about it while he was doing it, <laughs> but after, cause he's, I mean, like these games, the NDAs are insane. Oh, I can only imagine. So, <laughs> but of course, after the game came out, I just called him up and said, can we have breakfast? And can you just tell me everything? And he's like, <laughs> so we did that. And what was neat was he's kind of been my, uh, source of support when it comes to like how to how to handle getting to be in such a huge game because it's not like people are banging down my door or anything but the attention is different than anything i've ever experienced usually like primal 
the character doesn't speak in dialogue. So people love that show and, 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 and think it's amazing, but none of the attention gets turned back on me as it shouldn't. It's, it's Gendy's thing. And it's, you know, and, and so this is the first time most pro projects I do, I just do a role and it's fine. And then it's cool for me to say that I was in it. But as far as any sort of positive attention getting turned towards me, it's never happened until now. And it's kind of uncomfortable, not because of the attention itself, but because with so much random positive attention, my low self-esteem starts to kind of well up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I start to feel like a fraud. I start to feel kind of like, even just like, you know, it's like a Saturday and my friend's going to come over and I'm going to make some dinner, but I'm just like, oh, hold on. I got to set my room up because so, I'm going to do a podcast because these people want to hear what I have to say. Even though it's been a while, it still is weird. It still feels weird to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I, it's a pleasure doing it. I love doing it, but it, it, you know, and once I get into it, I'm fine. But before and after I, I really go like, shit, <laughs> you know, because I never was really going for that attention. I was going for just the work. I always like to say about resident evil. Um, it's a home run for my career, but the bases were loaded. It's resident evil. It, like you said, it's one of the biggest game franchises ever. So just getting to be in it, it's already going to be awesome. So then for me now, I'm just like, let's get back on base. Let's get back on base. Let's keep working. Let's, let's, let's get this going again. You know what I mean? That's where my energy sort of comes from when it comes to that. But I mentioned Ben because Red Dead Redemption was one of my favorite games. It's always on. And I always just, sometimes I'll walk over and just go fishing for an hour. That's amazing. Amazing game, man. You know I mean? It's so cool. So I just, and that's why I was kind of thrilled that, the resident this this resident evil it's not considered a, a open world but in a way it kind of it, is. it is it's not completely you know linear though that's the thing like you're not just on a set path you're kind of in this open you're in a village and you're meant yeah. to explore it so that's you know it is sort of open world. it's definitely yeah. not linear so yeah so with um like talking about your auditioning and stuff obviously well i mean i shouldn't say obviously i don't know but did you know that you were auditioning for Resident Evil or was it like a code name that when they gave you the script that you were reading for and then when you got it, it's like, okay, this is Resident Evil and you're like, well, holy shit. Like, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, it's funny because uh, Sarah Coates, who plays Marguerite Baker in uh, Resident Evil 7, as a friend of mine, I've known her for years. Uh, I had French class with her in high school <laughs> and we were friends in high school. Then when we got out of high school, she went to a college. I went into the theater in Seattle, both up in the Pacific Northwest. And then we kind of lost track of each other. We stayed in contact, kind of. But then when I moved down here, she was still up there. And then she moved down here with her boyfriend. And she started doing little things here and there. And again, we didn't, you know, we would hang out every now and again. But it was kind of just, you know, how you doing? How you doing? And then when Resident Evil 7 came out and I found out that she was in that, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I called her and was like, I can't wait to play it. And this is so cool. And she's like, oh, thanks. You know, and, and then, you know, years went by. And, and then she called me and she said, uh, hey, you know, I've been working since I got to do that game. I've been working in like, you know, production and stuff. And, you know, I'm helping out with casting. And they said that I'd be able to like sort of choose people that I know that maybe would be good for this there's no guarantee. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course there's no guarantee. But so she, so she had me come and audition for it. Oh, that's cool. And she like a good worker and like a good NDA signer, she didn't say anything. And so then uh, when I got the part, I think it was, it wasn't until like a month or so later that I was talking to the producer and I said, what game is this for, by the way? 
And they said, it's Resident Evil 8, dude. Like I should have known. Yeah, <laughs> come on, you should have known that. And as soon as they said Resident Evil 8, I was transported back in time to be <laughs> years old and playing the first game at a slumber party, pissing myself, not wanting my friends to know that I was as scared as I was. And uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool because see, that's another thing for a voice actor. You know, a lot of times, like you were saying, um, what kind, what role would I have wanted to play in the village? I get asked a lot too, what roles do I want to play just in general? And uh, there, there's, there's, I think I'm not going to speak for all voice actors, but I'll say there's sort of two schools of thought. There's one that I, they want to do a legacy voice. My friend Eric does the voice of Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Foghorn Leghorn, Tweety Bird, Marvin the Martian. And he was a, he was obsessed with the Looney wow. Tunes when he was a kid. He's from, uh, he's from uh, Scarborough, Ontario. So he's mm. a Canadian dude. Just north of me. Yeah, yeah. Filipino guy. South of me, sorry. Uh, so, so he does those, those, so that's like, it was his dream, those legacy voices. And then there's another thing is if you do those, that's great, but then you want to create one, you know, you want to be responsible for creating one. And um, I had my eye so much on legacy voices just because like to play a Batman villain or something, it would be really cool. And it would be, and it, what would be neat is the reason I think I wanted to do that is because I was so used to having people say to me at dinner parties or otherwise, what do you do for a living? And then I say, I'm a voice actor. And I go, what do you do? And then I go, well, I do this and this and this and just have to list it off. And they don't know what I'm talking about. So I wanted to be able to have one where I could just say like this and they would go, oh, I know what that is. I'm Commander Shepard or the Master Chief, right? Or something. Yeah, like and that. I mean, like Samurai Jack was like that for a while. Samurai Jack was one of those things. So like if you were a, a animation aficionado, I would say Samurai Jack and you know exactly what I was talking about. But um, so this one, so that's why it was kind of meaningful to me in addition to be part of Resident Evil, not just because I played it when I was a kid, but because I get to be involved in this franchise that is historic, that makes history, and I got to create one. Obviously, I know the Duke's voice sounds a little bit about like other voices you've heard, whatever. I At the time, I didn't realize it, but people compare it a lot. People think it's Mark Hamill because it has that kind of like oh. <laughs> Joker-ish kind of thing, which, I mean, that's a that's a that's an amazing compliment. Uh, <laughs> compliment, yeah. <laughs> he is the shit, but um, but um. But yeah, so yeah, I mean, I don't even know what answer question I was answering. I think I just went off on, on a tangent there. Sorry, but um, oh, it was just it was just if you knew that you were on Resident Evil. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so I just yeah, when they told me, I thought it was so cool, and I just and then that actually that is what made things really hard. The uh, it made it really hard uh, the NDA stuff, not talking about it because I was because Ben was so serious. That's another thing. Ben kind of inspired me. I mean. Ben was like so serious. He's like, dude, if you ever do one of these things, don't say a fucking word to anyone. And I was like, okay, all right. And he's right. He's right. Cause those NDAs are no joke. And what was funny was um, years ago, I mean, for years, what I did uh, to, to sort of support myself was I was a bouncer at different bars in Hollywood and then also a bartender. I just became a bartender. And so there was times when people, patrons that knew I did voice acting and stuff would come in and they'd say, uh, hey man, uh, what are, you, are you working on anything new? And I would just go like, no, nope, not anything new. And then they'd be like, oh, it's okay, man. You'll get something someday. And I'm like, yeah, man, yeah, thanks. Um, little do they know I'm working on the biggest <laughs> in the history of video games, but I just couldn't. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's, that's a whole level of stress I'd, 
like I have a little bit of that because I do some review games and we have yeah. embargo dates and stuff, but yeah. it's not to that level of stress, man. That if I was acting in Resident Evil 8 and I could not talk about it away. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. I mean, even well, that's the thing too, is I was always, you know, it's like uh I mean, not to get all melodramatic or anything, but I'm from the Pacific Northwest and I moved here and I'm kind of one of the only people in my family to move away. And I really kind of bummed my dad out. I mean, obviously he's like, go off, you know, go do your thing. But I think it, you know, it's like leaving home and stuff. And my dad is a big horror guy. He's not a video game guy, but he loves horror and he just loved. And that was another dream of mine to be involved with something that my dad knew about that I could call him up and say like, Hey man, I did this thing. And that he would, um, you know, that he, I'd, I mean, my dad's proud of me, but you know what I mean? Like I wanted to be able to like report back to him that I had done something really great and that it was like, uh, not that I had done something great, but I got to be involved with something great. And uh, so this is, so, and you know, since my dad, Resident Evil, that name is, you know, when you, when you say Resident Evil, it means something to anyone. It, it's either means something, it means the games or it means those movies because those movies were really popular, mm -hmm. you know, so that's so it, that's another thing. And then what was really neat is speaking to my dad for a second. Um, my dad was at the store the other day and these two uh, guys that are bagging groceries, he was just like, whatever, you know, checking out. And then the one guy was like, dude, have you played Resident Evil Village? And he's like, oh, <laughs> I totally I have. You know who my favorite character is? That merchant guy, the Duke. He's like, oh, oh that's blah, blah. And my dad just kind of like, you know, got a chance to go over and be like, Hey guys, I don't mean to interrupt you, but my son is the voice of the Duke. And then he pulled up my picture and everything. And my dad got to be a, a hero at his local grocery store. <laughs> Free All groceries right. for a, a year. I know, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, man, like we were kind of mentioning earlier, I honestly, I feel like he did hit that legendary status, dude. Like your character was my favorite in Resident Evil 8. And you just, you did create your own voice, man. It's like, it's like you said, I don't know. I mean, I can't explain the way you did all the different layers of your I voice mean, but it's it's incredible man so it's well what, the, the most meaningful thing i mean it's the the one of the most meaningful things is as you can kind of see behind me i'm a bit of a fan of a lot of this stuff different awesome. animation and whatever and so i know how meaningful it is to to like have engagement with the people who do the things that you that you like and so that has been another, you know, you want to talk about as much as I said that I was kind of uncomfortable with the attention. One aspect, aspect of the attention that has just been amazing is now I have this um, power that I can use for good, that you can just wave a little magic wand and it just blows somebody's mind. Like, you know, the cameo thing. To be honest with you, I wasn't going to do it because it felt kind of weird. I felt weird charging for that kind of thing. But then I was like, all right, I'll do it. And people would send me these messages saying like, my kid just got in a car accident. He's been really bummed out, but the game came out and he can't get out of bed, but he's been playing the game. And that's all he's been talking about is the game. Would you please, you know, tell him to get well and give him some words of encouragement as the Duke. So I'll just be in my car somewhere, whatever. And I'll pull over and put the thing on me and just be like, you know, you're going to be fine. If you need any healing salves, whatever you need, I can provide. You send that off and then you get a message back from the mom saying, oh, he loved it. And he had the biggest smile on his face. And that <laughs> just makes me feel like a million bucks. And so that stuff is, is incredible. I mean, and even just now talking to you guys and, and just kind of snapping into the voice and seeing you guys get a kick out of it. Like 
that that stuff is super meaningful and I, I i love it and that's actually the kind of attention that i was going for i wanted to be the i wanted to be able to like provide because there's so many people i go to these conventions i go to monster palooza and horror hound convention I, I go all over the all over the country go to these different conventions and when i get a chance to meet some people that were in you know nightmare on elm street five or something it, i get a huge kick out of it you know what I mean? <laughs> that's awesome I gotta look at all my. I pretty much covered all my questions, man. Yeah, I, I, I you. It's just an honor to talk to That's... your you about your experiences on uh, on what you you're doing, and I, I appreciate you for coming on the show. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know it, you're you're about three hours difference, so you're it's probably around close to dinner time now. So. Um, I did have one more question. There you yeah, go one more it. question to yeah, close off of it. I actually, I'm good until 6.30. We can do this for another half hour if you want. Whatever works. I'm good with whatever yeah, works. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So one of my good friends of mine that I do the TV show with, actually, Scott, he, you know, he's always wanted to do voice acting and he's nailed Snake from, you know, Metal Gear Solid. You know oh, that, I, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that classic, iconic, uh, da David Hayter, is that? David Hayter. Yeah, David, David Hayter, yeah. right? So like, you know, and <clears throat> this is just something he's always aspired to do. So I was just like, you know, if there's one thing, I mean, it's hard to say one thing to recommend for somebody who wants to get involved with it. But like, you know, if you could maybe recommend a thing or two for somebody who wanted to get into this kind of, yeah, like sure. how do you go about it? Yeah, I mean, I think that any voice actor, because, you know, like, you guys are great at this, and you're going to keep doing this, and you're going to keep talking to different voice actors, and the one thing that you're going to, um, you're going to discover is that, like, nobody has one, there's no, like, one story, there's no one pathway uh, to get to do this kind of stuff. It, 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 there's obviously, like, preparation and luck and where you are and different things like that. So you can kind of just speak in generalities. And I think, with voice acting, voice acting is a very alluring thing. I mean, there's people, you know, there's a lot of times people are like, you know, it's weird. I want to be a voice actor. And I'm like, that's not fucking weird. Everybody wants to be a voice. Every actor wants to do voice because they think it's easy or they think, you know, one thing or the other, or they think it's a sort of a quick way to, to get noticed. And, and in, in, in some ways it can be, but I think what's super important is for your friend and anyone who wants to be in uh, get involved with voice acting is figure out a way with rudimentary equipment in your own home figure out a way to record yourself doing voices uh reading lines or or whatever and really do that it's, it's something you can do on your own because there's something to be said about when you speak into a microphone and then you hear your voice back Obviously, when you're a kid, you're always like, oh, my God, my voice sounds so different. <laughs> and it does. It does sound different. But when you when I was I, it's funny that uh, to go back a little bit to that question you asked me in the beginning, my brother and I used to put blank tapes in our um, in this tape recorder and we would do like radio shows and stuff. And we would like bounce back and forth. We do this for hours. So there's I don't know where they are, but there are tapes of my brother and I like hosting a show. And it's because we heard our voices coming out of that thing. And it just did something to me. So I would suggest that anybody wanting to get involved with voiceover, get yourself a USB mic, a condenser microphone. They're not very expensive. Plug it into your computer, get GarageBand or whatever the hell, whatever program you use. And then just 
start talking and start doing voices and do the like do the the sort of legacy voices that you can do like snake and different things like that and get those over here and be like okay i can do those voices but then what voices have people not heard yet that i can do and do those voices and kind of play around with it because if if it does something for you and it spurs you on then keep doing it but if it doesn't if it kind of bores you then don't do it then just don't do it do something else but if it re- if you really if you really you really dig it then start to look around for um start to look around for classes and things because there are classes everywhere. And the problem with acting, getting an acting class and get finding a good acting class is like finding a good therapist. There are people that teach acting classes, but it doesn't mean they're qualified to teach acting classes shit. And so, and most of them aren't, to be honest with you. I mean, not, I'm not trying to be a dickhead, but you know, I mean, like it's, it's sometimes it could be a scam, but if you go in and you find a really good teacher that gives you sort of the fundamentals, then they can sort of lead you down the quote unquote right path because the most important thing a voice actor who's trying to be a voice actor can have is proof not just intention saying i want to be a voice actor doesn't mean anything but if you say i want to be a voice actor and then you can follow it up with here listen to this and have something have a reel and so for me when i first got started before i did anything i did that i got a microphone and i just started dicking around doing all the voices that I knew I could do and then trying to come up with different ones and trying to, you know, trying to come up with, because really when it comes to generating voices, it's all just about a tone. If you're standing out in public and you see some guy waiting for a bus and the guy's just, and he looks like this, then maybe his tone is uh, (laughs) a zombie. You just start talking. So you go, uh, I wonder when the bus is going to get here. And that's a voice. That becomes a voice. And so it can be, and uh, I don't know what you guys are talking about, but would you like, would you like to come in? Come on in. That's a voice too. You know what I mean? It's just one, one tone. And so then what's neat is if you record some, if you record one or two lines of the different voices, then learn in GarageBand how to do a little bit of editing, just kind of slipping off the extraneous, snipping off the extraneous pieces, putting them together. And then you can hear the voices all in a row. And you can hear eight different voices in the span of two minutes uh, and see how that feels to you. You know what I mean? So it really is about experimentation and figuring out a way to generate proof and education on the matter. Now, I'm uh, I, this is not, I'm not bragging. I'm actually kind of embarrassed about this, but I don't have any education on the matter whatsoever. I basically have just do what I think I should do. And it happens to be working out, which is really nice. However, now that I'm still pursuing it, I start to go like, okay, I'm here. I'm getting to do it. I'm getting to audition. How do I get better? How do you, how do I get better? So I'm actually starting to think about doing some classes myself, just trying to, you know, you can, cause I'm, I'm, I'm only relying on my instinct, but I need to take it a step further. I did a thing the other day, which was a public service announcement that I just happened to get, and I had to use my own voice. And it was terrifying because I was I was so self-conscious. So I think I need to take a class on that. I need to take a class on how to like just read, you know, read a public service announcement and not have it sound like this or like or some ridiculous voice. You know what I mean? <laughs> So yeah, that's, I mean, so in a nutshell, that's just a bunch of different random shit. I mean, again, like I said, no, there's good. no one clear path, you know? 
I think the other thing too for like, and, and I know this is something that Katie had mentioned was be prepared to accept a lot of rejection. And you had mentioned that before, like you, you don't take it personal. And uh, like, even when, when we were like, uh, we had our first guest on um, David Bateson who played 40 agent 47. He said like, you're lucky if, if you get like a producer or someone listen to five seconds of your audio clip, like they know within the first second, no, it's not going to work. And like, yeah, if well, you can get anything more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing is too, I mean, like, like the story I told you about, Sarah bringing me in if who knows what would have happened if I found that audition somewhere else and Sarah had nothing to do with it and I just submitted what I thought I should do and they saw Aaron LaPlante and it didn't mean anything to him and they just went oh, yeah. that could have be very easily have happened but I think because Sarah was in the room saying like that's my friend he's great he's so nice let's have him come in Who's to say, you know what I mean? Like, who's to say, I might not have even gotten the part. I mean, that's what, it's so delicate. And it's amazing too, like all these things that I send my, the nobody has ever, except for that one time when they said you didn't get it, but nobody's ever called me up and been like, uh, hello, is this Aaron LaPlante? Hi, hi, yeah, this is Greg. I was working on the production you auditioned for. You should quit voice acting. You are a piece of shit and uh, you're awful at your job and just stop, stop working because, or go kill yourself. Nobody's oh, ever happened. It never happened. <laughs> I hope <It> not. <laughs> won't give you the part, and they just don't call you. So in a way, there is no fucking rejection. If you just audition and let it go, and don't sit there, you know, like eating and being like, <laughs> they haven't called, you know, because a lot of actors do that. And if they, and if you do that, and then by the next day they haven't called, you wake up feeling kind of rejected. But if you just audition for it and then just go like fucking whatever, you know what I mean? Like I don't. I care about an audition while I'm making it. And then when I send it off, I could care less about it. I could care less about it because also too, and this is going to sound really arrogant, but this is just me being self-confident. I'm right for every fucking part I auditioned for. Hmm. If I got every yeah, part I auditioned for, I would do something with it, do something good with it probably. Whether I'm right for it, I mean, is is that's up to them to decide. But when I do an audition, I send it off and I just go, if they give me the parts fine if they don't it's none of my fucking business and 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 you know with voiceover lately it's been really difficult because like i said in the very early there in the beginning of this that um that famous actors are getting in on the game you know and not just famous actors comedians marginally notable youtube fucking personalities or whatever you know what i mean they just they i've got a lot of friends in casting and they would love nothing more than to just cast amazing journeyman voice actors, but they can't, they have to see who the, the hottest, whoever the fuck it, you know what I mean? So it's, that's kind of the way. However, with so many platforms, Netflix and Amazon and all this crazy shit going on, there's so much work to be had. So that's the thing that kind of keeps me going that I can just kind of keep doing this. And it is entirely possible for me to be able to just carve out a little sliver of space that I can exist in sign a few autographs, go to a convention, what the fuck, whatever, make a living, collect all my stupid bullshit that I like to collect and be fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I think that's what I'm counting on, <laughs> you know? Uh, it's, it's awesome. Like the, just to, the life of a voice actor, well, an actor in general, I mean, it's not always going to be like sunshine and daisies or whatever that saying is, but I mean, it, it seems like it's, 
a lot of fun and especially again being part of such a big uh, like franchise it's like I mean, I, I would assume that a lot of people would strive to be part of a Skyrim or a Resident Evil or a Final Fantasy or something. And I mean, you certainly have done that. So it's, uh, I mean, it's great. It's a wonderful feeling. I mean, yeah, for sure. It's a wonderful feeling to just kind of think about, because uh, that's another thing too. I always kind of hoped, and maybe this sounds a bit melodramatic, but I always hope that no matter what happens and no matter what um what I do in my career, I, I always had that hope that I would be involved with something that would kind of last or that people would sort of, that would be really meaningful to a lot of people, not just people in my own little thing. And, and that has happened and it's amazing. But then the neurotic person in me goes like, okay, but that's, that's not the only one I get to be in, right? I get to be in more, I get to do more, right? I mean, it's not just Resident Evil, right? Like that's the thing that starts to come up. You start to go like, I'm not even 40 years old. Like I, I've got more. I can do more. I can do a lot more, you know. Um, but I, but you know, but then gratitude brings you back. I mean, my girlfriend is always really good about reminding me of that. Of just like, just be grateful, just have fun, and just be find find ways that you can be grateful. And really, the the major thing that I can be grateful for is what I told you guys before, just about uh, engaging with people and having it mean something to them because it's easy for me. It means nothing to me, like just as, as easy as just like doing one of those cameos or, you know, people send me messages on Instagram sometimes and to message them back and they get a kick out of that. And that's really nice. You know, to just, you're feeling kind of bad about yourself one day or whatever. And then you get to like make somebody's day and it feels, it makes you feel a little bit better about yourself, you know? That's awesome. Nate, do you have anything else you wanted to add? Oh, well, I mean, I, I got all my questions answered. Um, well, I got to say, you guys, you guys, uh, I was, I, I'm, thank you so much for um, asking me some different questions. Because as much as like some of the things I've said before, but there's been a lot of stuff like asking me about, you know, specifics about how I got into it and stuff and asking me about Gendy. I really appreciate that. Oh, not a problem. I'm, I'm actually just, my, my, my buddy that asked the question, he's like, hey, are you still, uh, are you still chatting? And uh, I'm, I just let him know that you appreciated that question. And again, nice. I mean, it's like you said, um, you go on all these shows and it's more often than not, it, like, how did you get into it? Like, did you know about it? And it's, I mean, the, each interview, it'll always be different because how the questions asked, but ultimately I, I, I find like, it's always, it's almost always the same questions. Even if you were to go on like Jimmy Kimmel or anything like that, like, They'll yeah. put their own spin on it, but um, we, we, I mean, it's the first time I've had Nathan on doing this and, and um, like we, we've uh, got a chat lined up probably in September with, uh, with Paula about, uh, nice. about both roles in seven and eight and Nate's my resident evil guy. So uh, <laughs> he said that he'd definitely be interested in coming back for that one. So yeah, and, I mean, this is honor, great. man. <laughs> yeah, this is great. And I, and Brad, you know, just, just keep it up, you know, like Thank what you. you had said before, just, just keep doing it, keep it up and know that, you know, it's it, like you were saying it. sometimes it's hard to get a um, response, but uh, don't let these fucking voice actors fool you. They're not <laughs> that important. They're not, not even, not at all. So just be persistent and polite and you'll be just fine. <laughs> you know oh yeah. I mean? Like, well, I mean, there's, there's for, for me, it's, it's like, reaching out like i i i don't i'm a, I, I don't know I, I don't really know how to describe it like it, 
to me, it almost feels, I don't want to seem too stalkerish. Um, Cause I, I'm sure you get a lot of that where if, if you don't answer immediately a, a, a message or not just you, but voice actors or normal actors in general, like it becomes stalkerish where someone's like, Hey, hello. And then you don't answer for a day. Cause you know, heaven forbid you're busy filming <laughs> and then you, and then you've got 16 messages throughout like three days. It's like, okay, that's like, and I, I would never do that. But like, I find if I message more than if I go a, set, a third time, it's like, all right, that's borderline. Maybe they're busy and they'll get back to me. Like it, it took Katie a while, but that's because she was doing press tours and all this stuff for Resident Evil. And I mean, I'm just, I'm the small person out of a very big YouTube world. And uh, it's just, it for me, it means a lot. Just even like you said, getting a response back on Instagram. Like it's just. Well, what's great, great. too is like, you know, you're going to publish this one. You're going to, you got the one. And then like, you know, anybody that you reach out to now is going to get a chance. I mean, yeah. like when, when you contacted me, you're like, here's what I've already done. So then I was able to see it and be like, oh, okay, this guy, you know, but there was one guy recently that just was weird and I didn't respond to him. And then he kept saying every morning, he would say like, I'm waiting for your response. And I was just like, dude. <laughs> and then finally I got an email and I said, where the fuck did you get my email? And he's like, Oh, one of my friends in the press gave it to me, but they asked me not to share it with you. And I was like, well, your friend fucked up because if you already know that that's inappropriate. That person obviously does. Cause they don't want you to tell me. So fuck off. And the guy was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But that pissed me off. Like, no end. So that's like, <laughs> that's a good example of the wrong way to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's like Brad, like my boss says, man, like Drew, you know, we started off like my TV show. We started off just on uh, Barry, like uh, the city I live in, just a local network. And yeah. obviously on YouTube as a very small, you know, YouTube platform. But we've now evolved onto like esports television, Tubi, and a few of these other kind of streaming platforms. And, you know, it's, it's definitely just been a grind, man. You know, you start off. Here That's all it is. It's all you can do. Yeah. 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 You just got to. Cool. The big thing was, though, I guess, is just like Drew said, man, he's like, you just got to ask, man. That's all you got to do is no yeah, harm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Which is great. And, you know, like uh, in the future, I'll, I will, you know, I, I've, now that I've met you, uh, if you need me to do anything for your show or need me to come on there or whatever, let me know. For sure. And no, I appreciate that. Like, I, I oh, actually man. do have one last request before sure. I let you go. Does, sure. uh, does the Duke have anything that he wants to say to the Nerdcast? To the Nerdcast. Well, <laughs> the boys of the Nerdcast. Well, it's good to see you. <laughs> anyone but anyone has heard, about, heard of the likes of you, although that castle arouses suspicion. Welcome to the Duke's Emporium. What are you buying? <laughs> Just something an old friend of mine used to say. Well, I want to wish you the happiest luck for your future in podcasting. And should you need anything for the road ahead? You know where to find me. Thank you for your patronage. <laughs> well, th Perfect. thanks again. Uh, and again, I, I really appreciate the uh, the olive branch if uh, if I do need anything. Um, but yeah, we will, uh, Nathan. You too for your TV show. If you want me to come on yeah, there, do thanks, it. man. Definitely, I'll get your uh, I'll get your email or something. And I, yeah, I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll give it I'll give it to him and I'll say don't say where you got it from. No. That's right. <laughs> and some fucking guy from Poland or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> that's, that's great so well we'll let you go uh do uh i know you said you had something at 6 30 but uh, nate if you want to stick around we'll just uh we'll debrief and then we'll call it a night all right sounds good thank you thank so you much, very aaron. much aaron a, guys have a great one a thanks trouble, a lot thanks man. take awesome. care yeah cheers so wow that guy is awesome man it's uh and you know what like i i told i told this to drew like when uh when he got david and uh and jane on i said like and this is for anything really for for any voiceover actor or even actor it's like everyone's like oh what's your secret and now i'm getting asked that it's like you just reach out like there's, there's no secret um but i mean like i like i owe you guys a lot because uh like oh i mean we go you and me go way back um but i mean like drew recently and and um just having having that uh camaraderie on on discord and and whatnot and it's just it's it's a real good community to be a part of so it's uh yeah i and and that's why it's like when when he agreed to come on out like adam and clayton First of all, they don't want the game spoiled for them, so I don't think that they should be watching this podcast. Mind <laughs> you, we didn't we didn't really talk we about didn't spoil anything, honestly. No, we like I, but... I even I stayed pretty quietly on like I said the baby creepy baby part. That's all I said. I didn't. Well, want to we say talked anything. about that with Katie too, because that was one of the creepy parts in in Ugh, like horrifying. in in the whole game where where the baby's chasing after you. <laughs> oh but uh, like so when when he said he was coming on, I I was like, okay, well. I gotta have you on, and if if uh, if it works out, like well, Paula said she would definitely do it. Uh, I just have to reach out to her in a couple of weeks. Um, but if you want to come and talk, uh, um, uh, what's uh, what's the doll's name? Angie. Oh yeah. It's Angie, right? It's Angie. It sounds yeah. Right. So the and then and then she was young Evelyn in number seven okay um so if you want to do that then fucking google wrong by the way in wikipedia i had That's a feeling okay. it wasn't right <laughs> when when uh when when we were talking with uh with john <laughs> google yapped at me so. when uh <laughs> so once again we wanted to thank uh aaron laplante for coming on nate you can plug your show go for it i i it's it's that time of night <laughs> so where, where where can uh people find you all right well we have our discord you know inside the game and our website inside the game.ca we are all on a bunch of streaming platforms esports television to be a number many. of other ones i can't really just name off but yeah we uh do a tv show on video games guys reviews discussion the news live streams we do it all basically and every day monday to friday we also have a daily show on the news so if you can you can tune on to that on twitch and yeah on youtube is also where you can catch all of this stuff so hopefully i'm not very good at plugging things i guess but <laughs> i hope you enjoyed that interview i had a blast doing that man that was so cool he aaron was great man it was it was a lot of fun and uh again it's, it's, it's awesome that he's willing to help both you and like well me and yeah. the show i'm sure you if, if you wanted him to like do a shout out to your your much better half or something or or uh <laughs> maybe maybe if if he gets uh 
David Hayter, he can introduce Scott to him or something. <laughs> that would be yeah, that would be awesome. Scott said that he would walk all the way to Kirkland if I was able to get David Hayter on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah. yeah, we'll we'll call it a night there, and uh, we'll pick up uh, with you. I'll let you know when we're having yeah, weeks, uh, the man. chat with uh, with Paula, who played Angie, the creepy little horror doll in oh, Resident Evil man. Village. It's going to be interesting talking to her and see how, you know, you get into that role. <laughs> well, she, a horror, uh, like she started off in Doc McStuffins. Oh, well, not started That's off, hilarious. but like you go from like this Disney channel to a doll that wants to murder you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, thanks again for uh, coming on. Thanks Thank you. for everyone for watching. Have a great night.